thank you so much for joining the Faith Chapel podcast. Wherever you may be joining us from, we hope that you know that you are loved and that this message encourages you throughout your week.
Summer Gorman. I'm the summer intern here at Faith Chapel, and I'm so excited that you guys could be joining us today at Faith Chapel Online. Pastor Brian has an amazing word, and I'm super excited as he's gonna be delivering it to you all today. But before we do that, a couple of quick announcements. There's a couple of different ways that you can be giving online to Faith Chapel right now. One way is to go to our website at faithchapelsd.com. Another way is to text a dollar amount to 84321. And then the final way to be giving is through our Faith Chapel app. Also, if you haven't already, feel free to follow us on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram at Faith Chapel SD. And let's dive into this service. It's going to be a great one. Happy Sunday, Faith Chapel family. It's that time again and worship Jesus. Come on and put your hands together and worship with us.
What an amazing time of worship. I hope you've been able to enter into God's presence and feel God right where you are because we certainly have right here. Well, you know, context really, really matters. Context is so incredibly important. For instance, when I say, I hope you're hungry here in America, it means I've prepared a lot, so there's a lot of food for you to enjoy. But if you're in some place in Africa where they're struggling, where there's poverty, it's a cruel joke. Why? Because context matters. 
Our promise this week that we're going to look at is found in James chapter 1, verse 5. And it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But to better understand this, again, it takes context. You see, James is writing to a group of Christians who are outcasts. They've lost their homes. They're no longer together. They've been scattered. In fact, he tells us in verse one, he said, to the 12 tribes that are scattered among the nations. This is occurring because Christians are being persecuted. They're experiencing hard times. And James knows that it's about to get worse. In fact, it's about to get a lot worse. For instance, shortly after James wrote this letter, Nero becomes the emperor. His reign begins one of the most horrific persecutions of Christians that the world has ever known. Believers were confronted with unbelievable atrocities. For instance, Nero used to take Christians and light them up. I mean, literally light them up on the stake, burn them at the stake to provide light for his late night drunken parties. This is the face of real persecution. See, we think persecution is a conversation about wearing masks or not wearing masks, going back to school or not going back to school, or a conversation about social distancing. Well, on August 5th, 2002, just eight years ago, the government of Eritrea ordered the closure of all Christian churches that were not Orthodox, Catholic, or Lutheran. The pastors had one last sermon, one last time for them to gather, to pray together and to worship together. One last time before they were forced to close and forced to go underground. When believers were found, they were locked in metal shipping containers and left in the hot sun. The temperatures would reach 130 degrees Fahrenheit. After one week in the containers, they were opened and the believers were given a choice. They could renounce their faith and gain their freedom or they could spend another week in the containers. You know, week after week after week, they chose persecution and death instead of turning their backs on Jesus. Friends, listen to me. This is real faith, and that is real persecution. We need to have a faith worth living for, and a faith, if it's required, worth dying for. Things are going to get a lot worse. Token faith wouldn't work. James knew this, and that's why he was talking to this audience he was telling the believers there, listen, things are not going to get better. Things are going to get worse. And token faith and religious cliches just aren't going to be enough. James knew that this group of believers, in order to make it, what did they need? They needed a real faith. And so as these believers were dealing with real life persecution, James jumps to the point to help them understand how to face the difficulty you read it in James chapter 1, verse 2. He just jumps right in and gives it to him right up front. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. What? I mean, they're going through persecution. They're going through hardship. Christians are being burned at the stake just to provide light. And you're saying that we're to count it pure joy, brothers, when we face trials of many kinds? Yes, listen to how it's read in the message version of the Bible. Consider it a sheer gift, friend, when tests and challenges come to you from all sides. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were going through the kind of things that this church was going through and somebody said, hey, consider it a sheer gift, friend, I might be tempted to punch them right in the mouth. I mean, that's not something we enjoy, but this was the truth that he was handing down, that we're to consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters. We're to consider it a sheer gift, 
when tests and challenges, when trials, when persecution comes. And so James is telling these believers who are going through incredible torture, what's he telling them to do? He said at the very beginning, rejoice. In difficult times, in persecution, in hardship, and even on your very worst day, what are you supposed to do? Well, rejoice. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What was he saying? Rejoice, I've overcome the world. He said, you're gonna go through hardship and trouble, but rejoice. First Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, it says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe we should learn from the early church. Maybe we should learn from James's teaching and what they're trying to communicate to us. The church is going through incredible persecution. Maybe we should rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. It might be just a moment to just stop and say, all? Yeah, all. So that means no matter what you're going through, what are we supposed to do? Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And by now, you're probably saying, Pastor Brian, why in the world would we rejoice in some of the things that are going on? Why? I've lost my job. I've lost my home. I've lost maybe my family. My children are not serving God. I don't have an income. Why in the world would I rejoice? Well, James tells them in verse 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So we should let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Why do we rejoice? Because we're, the testing of our faith is producing a perseverance. It's finishing its work. We're becoming mature and complete in our lives and in our faith. Why? Because you're growing stronger. You're growing stronger. And if you'll lean into God during this time, if you'll lean into God in this moment, then you'll become stronger because what you're going through right now is developing your character. In fact, there's a very real sense in this verse that Going through this test is helping you prepare for the next one. And so we're becoming stronger so that we can deal with the things that God knows that are in our future. So we might be mature, complete, lacking nothing. You know, and it brings us to the promise, this promise in verse five. And see, you cannot connect the verses that are preceding to this verse, can you? That's why it provides context. Context matters. And now that you know what this church is going through and what James is telling him through the Holy Spirit, he gets to this point. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. What is wisdom? It's God's perspective in your notes. It's God's perspective on your situation. When you try to live outside of God's wisdom, when you try to do it in your own strength, when you try to do it in your own understanding, then things begin to go in a completely different way. In fact, the Bible tells us not to live in our own understanding because if we do, it leads to destruction. But in all our ways, we're to acknowledge him and he'll direct our paths. When we live outside of God's wisdom, then we're filled with fear. We're filled with panic. And we become controlling. Maybe you're feeling those things right now. We see those things in our world all around us, don't we? People that are filled with fear and they're filled with panic. They want to become controlling. What happens? They begin to listen to the wrong voices. They begin to ignore the right voices. In fact, they even begin to blame God sometimes for their struggles. 
and even run from God and they start making bad decisions. Well, this is why we need God's wisdom. This is why we need God's help, especially right now in the times that we're going through, a time of hardship, a time of difficulty. The reason we need God's help is because we don't really know what's going on. We don't have the best perspective. God himself told us this in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts greater than your thoughts. We could be resisting, friend, some of the very things that God's trying to build into our lives as he's building character, helping us become mature, complete, lacking nothing. We might be fighting the very thing that he's trying to produce or even protect us. I remember when I was on a youth trip years and years ago, we were coming back from the East Coast and we were having bus trouble and I was irritated. I was upset. I had to get people back home. We'd been gone for over a week and it was the middle of summer. It was hot. The air conditioning had already broken down the bus. I mean, it was, a, it was one of those youth trips that you always talk about. Now the bus was acting up mechanically, and we were going up this little hill, and, and, and we were trying to get across this bridge. It was just kind of a little hill going across the bridge to come down on the other side. And the engine began to act out, and we lost all power, and these cars zoomed past us. And just seconds later, there was a big crash on the bridge as cars collided trying to change lanes. I thought to myself, wow, if we would have been going the same speed that we were just moments earlier, we'd have been right in the middle of that crash. And all the students that were on board that bus may have been injured or maybe even worse. So we just don't have God's perspective. And that's why James says, in order to get God's perspective, in order to gain wisdom, you just need to go to God. Because wisdom doesn't come with age in your notes. It comes from God. It doesn't come just because we're getting older. It comes when we go to God and we be continually ask God for what his perspective is based upon the circumstances that are happening in our life and in our world. You know, there's two aspects to wisdom that we see in the Old Testament especially. The first aspect was intelligence, or they're, they're trying to get intellectual wisdom, and there's nothing wrong with growing in intelligence and understanding God's word and growing in intelligence. But the second thing that we see is practical wisdom. How do you take what you've learned and put it to practice? How do you actually live it out? And, and that's what separates us from all the other people on the planet. Is that because we have a relationship with God, we're able to go to God, we're able to download his wisdom into our lives and then we're able to live it out and we're putting God on full display because we're doing that. And people take note that we're doing it differently, that we're responding differently. For instance, people right now are frustrated, they're fearful, they're in panic and they're acting out of character. This would be a great time to practice the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control and not be like everyone else around us so that we can prove that we're filled with the Spirit of God and that God is the one that makes up the difference. So how do we begin to, how do we begin to live wisely? What's wise living look like? Now in your notes, number one, it starts with fearing the Lord. You've heard this verse, I'm sure, before in Proverbs 9 10. Fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, fear is basically recognizing this. Let me make it simple. 
It's basically recognizing that God himself is holy and awesome and incredible and majestic and all-powerful and that he's the creator of heaven and earth and he created your life and my life and that he runs it all. And that because he is the one that is seated on the throne in heaven, because it all belongs to him, because he's the one that's all powerful, then we willingly submit ourselves to him and his will for our lives so that we can come to him and say, God, we know that our way is not your way. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your wisdom is beyond ours. God, what is your perspective? What is your perspective so that I might go and live it out? It's coming to God with humility and reverence and awe and recognizing that you're you're in need of him and you're in need of what he can give you, wisdom. That he said that he would provide for us without without finding fault. In fact, he wants us to come and ask. I mean, there's times as a parent that I just wish that my kids would come to me and ask my opinion about something they're going through without me maybe having to try to insert it. And then I, I want even more as a parent for them not only to ask, but them to, to value that opinion and go and live it out because I know that's the best choice for them because I've lived a little longer than they have. You know, that's the way God is in our lives. He knows it all. He knows the end from the beginning. And he's like, if you'll just come to me as my children, I'll give you wisdom that you can have without finding fault. I want you to have it so that you can live a life of victory and a life of overcoming. Number two, wise living is, helps us by grow. We grow by receiving God's word. By receiving God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The law of the Lord is perfect. In other words, there is nothing that can match God for showing you the mind of God. There's nothing that can match the Bible for showing you the mind of God. I mean, the more you sink your roots in God through his word, the more wisdom will begin to mark your life. And then number three, it requires we ask in faith. We ask in faith. Let's go back to James. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives how? Generously. Say generously. He gives it to you generously without finding fault. And it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe. In other words, you just don't come to God for a second opinion. You come to God because his opinion is first. You come to God and you believe and you say, God, I am going to do what you tell me to do. In fact, that starts with if anyone lacks wisdom, if you lack wisdom, that's a banker's term that's used here, meaning that you're you don't have enough in your account to withdraw the amount that you want. You're lacking funds. God's trying to tell us that we all lack wisdom, the wisdom that we really truly need in order to function in this world and understand, especially in difficult times, especially in persecution, especially when hardship is around us. We need the wisdom of God. That's what James was telling them. Here's the condition because there's always a condition to God's word. In verses six and eight, James tells him this, but when you ask, you must believe and do not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea who's blown and tossed by the wind and that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all 
they do. Boy, don't we see that happening right now in our world? Don't we see that happening all around us? Because people aren't going to God, they're not gaining his wisdom, his perspective, and they're not believing and they're not asking in faith, aren't they beginning Bluffs, you know, blown to and fro. They're being tossed to, you know, around like the sea. You know, toss a boat around. That person is double-minded. It says, and unstable in all the ways. How can we maintain a stability in moments like this? How can we maintain a stability in hardship, difficulty, or even persecution? When we come to God and we say, God, we need your wisdom. We need your wisdom. Give us your perspective. What, what do we do for today? How do we make it through today? What do we do? You know, it seems like this verse just simply deals with trust. And trust is a choice. Do you and I get to make a choice every day that we're going to trust God, take him at his word and do what his word says, and then see God begin to do miracles in our life? You know, I give you this final admonition as I bring this to a close. But James says this from James 1.12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because that's what they're going through. Because you have stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Friends, God loves you. He sent his one and only son to die for you. He's proven his faithfulness and love for you over and over and over again, time and time and time again. And he said, all he's asking for you is to come to him to gain wisdom, to gain perspective every day in the moments of difficulty. And he said he'd give it to you graciously so you would have it and you'd be able to walk in wisdom. You'd be able to walk in the power of God each and every day, no matter what's happening around you. And when you've persevered, when you've stood the test of time, you'll receive the crown of life. Let me just ask you this right now. Do you want God's blessing in your life? And for those of you that don't know about the crown of life, you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. You don't know where you stand with God. I know the Spirit of God right now is bringing conviction to your heart because God doesn't want any to perish, but for all to come into everlasting life. And he's reaching out to you right now in this moment. He wants to provide that crown of life to you. He wants to give you everlasting life. In fact, there's something that is in the heart of every man. It's eternity. And there's nothing that can fill that hole in your heart except for Jesus. Maybe you've tried it with drugs or alcohol. Maybe you've tried it with fortune or fame or power or greed. I don't know. But you've tried to fill it with relationships. Maybe you've tried to fill it with a numerous, numerous other things, but the only thing that can fill your heart right now is Jesus. And so I wanna pray for you. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're coming back to God, I want you to pray this prayer with me and then click the link that's provided in the below so that we can send you some information and help you in your journey with God. Would you pray with me right now? Close your eyes, bow your heads and say, Dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I'm making you my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Now, friend, click that link at the bottom. Make sure that you're putting out, giving us your information. We'd love to connect with you and help you in this journey that's only started today. And if you're a believer, go to God. Let's trust God because God's got something at work in our lives that he's trying to show forth for his glory. God is working in us. We are his people. And I pray that God will continue to do that in your life today. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you next week. God bless you. 
Hey guys, don't go anywhere just yet. We have a couple of quick announcements before you go. We have an awesome Faith Chapel Kids and Youth Camp coming up. And if you want more information on that, make sure to visit us at our Faith Chapel website at faithchapelsd.com or follow us through our social media pages. We also have some super cool opportunities for you to be giving right now. Um, you can do that through our website at faithchapelsd.com, through our app, or you can text a dollar amount to 84321. And I think that's about it. So have a great Sunday, you guys. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or any social media platform at faithchapelsd. See you real soon.